0: Amen, I said that boy, as he came to nine, I'll tell you the truth. (laughs) A sharp-looking young man, praise God, amen. We're delighted that Brother Gilliam is with us today, amen, and I believe that the Lord has spoken to Brother Gilliam, my Lord impressed me to call him, and uh, he consented to be with us, and he's no stranger to you folks. Uh, The Dean of Students, I think is his official title, left the Texas Bible College. But more important than that title, he's a minister of the gospel. And we're glad it is with us today, aren't we? You gonna preach with it? Oh, come on, you gonna preach with it? God bless you, brother.
1: Amen, let's magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we love you. Jesus, we glorify your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What a great God we serve. Listen, y'all people love love having church. (laughs) Y'all people love having church. Amen. Amen. I know you're blessed for it as well. Amen. Book of Job, chapter number 22. Job 22. While you turn there, I want to honor your pastor, Brother Moats, for the work he's doing here in Weeches. Pastor, we honor you today. Thank you for the opportunity to stand behind your pulpit. I give him honor. Job 22, and it is so good to have my two kiddos. I have, I have three children. Two are really incredible. The other is really crazy. The other crazy one is with my wife. He's, he's two, uh, but I got my two big kids, Bentley, Audrey, love y'all. I'm so glad. They, they, don't, they don't always travel with me when I go out, but I'm so thankful when they do. Hey, Amen. I honor them. Job 22, and to the saints of God, I honor you today. Could have been anywhere on a Sunday morning, but you came out, you got dressed up. You brave the cold weather, you brave the cold weather, so we might as well have a move of God, amen, all right, Job 22, Job 22, verse 8 and 9, Job said this, he said, behold, I go forward, and he is not there, that's exactly what I expected to have happen too. (laughs) and backward, but I can't perceive him, on the left hand where he doth work, but I can't behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. Again, he says, I go forward, but he is not there. Backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, I can't behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. I'm going to preach shortly from a simple subject entitled, When God Seems Silent when God seems silent. Father we love you Jesus we are so humbled at your presence today I pray that the glory of the Lord would shine in this sanctuary I pray that you would touch every heart every life and every mind Jesus all of our hope and all of our trust is in you and I pray that your spirit would be in this building I pray that you wouldn't that you would be magnified and lifted high and as you do as we do that I pray that your glory would settle in this sanctuary Pray you to anoint our minds and our hearts to hear and receive your word in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. Please be seated. When God seems silent, now listen. This is it. Doesn't sound like a feel-good message, but hopefully, hopefully, before too long, we'll get there. Amen. God's presence, his presence, is not as intriguing as his absence. His Voice is not as eloquent as his silence. Who any of us who've lived for God any length of time have not longed for a word from the Lord, searched for a glimpse of his power, or yearned for the reassurance of his presence, only for it to seem that God was at a distance from us. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Okay, thank you. I thought maybe I was all by myself. There's at times in our walk with God that it appears that God is far from us, distant, maybe preoccupied or unconcerned with our plot in life. It's odd. It's even paradoxical that God's seeming absence is a form of His presence, meaning that when I look at life's circumstances, I gaze at my existence at times it appears that God is far from me. And this should not be unusual to us. The psalmist write in detail about their plights and their plots. The psalmist regularly write about God feeling far from them. Psalm 6, if you got it, Psalm 7112. The psalmist says, Oh God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste to help me. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groanings? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you don't answer. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty raw. He said, and by night I find no rest. Be be not far from me. For trouble is near and there is none to help. Psalm thirty-eight twenty-one. Do not forsake me, O Lord, my God, be not far from me. Psalm ten one. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? And why do you hide yourself? No, 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 whoa, 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 no, no. See, here's the here's the problem. We are we're we're moving way too fast. This is how raw and real the psalmist got with God. He said, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? What's the KJV say? Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thyself in times of trouble? Friends, there, if you've lived for God any length of time, you have gone through seasons where it appears that God is far from you. Maybe it's sickness, maybe it's illness, maybe it's divorce, maybe it's hard times financially. And there are times it appears that God is far from us. Seemingly like Job in our text where he said, behold, I go forward, but I can't find you. I go backward, but you're not there. On the left, on the right, I don't see you. You see, it was Job sitting in a heap of ashes. He felt as if he could not hear or see the Lord. No matter where he looked, no matter how much he cried, it appeared, thank you, Brother Motes, it appeared that God was far from him. To the point that Job said this, He said, if I were to go north, south, east, west, if I were to go to a distant land, it appears that God would not be there. And although Job was confident that God would eventually deliver him, he said in that moment, I don't know where the Lord is. And if Job were to stop right there, it would seem his predicament would be very tragic and dire. But Job would still pen the very next verse when he said, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold." What does that mean? Verse 10 is directly linked to what Job just said. He said, I could go north, south, east, west. I don't know that I could find him, but I do know that God knows the way that I'm taking because of his close walk with God. Job had this confidence that though he slay me, I need you to help me preach now, that though he slay me, yet will I trust him if he takes everything I have and he is silent while doing it. I will maintain this confidence I'll maintain this confidence because I've seen him work before I've seen God do it far too many times not to believe that he won't do it again friends in those moments where it appears that God is sitting silent in your life you can rest assured that he is right beside See, it was in spite of God's, of God's seen absence that Job acknowledged in those moments still, that no matter where I am, he knows the way. He knows the path I'm on. He knows the road I'm on. He knows that county road you live on. He knows FM 2020. He knows exactly where you are. You are not hid from God. God knows your number. He knows your address. He knows your plight. He sees your pain and he sees your hurt. You see, to Job, to Job, to Job, God was hidden but to God, Job was never lost. To Job, God was hidden, but to God, Job was never lost. And what type of incredible trust did Job have? I want you to think about this for a moment. I don't know that I've I've suffered in life, but I don't think I've ever suffered like Job. Job lost everything. He he lost his he lost his house. He lost all his kids. He lost all of his income, and all he was left was his wife saying, "Just go ahead, Job, curse God and die." And it's in that moment that Job chose to maintain his trust in God, though everything was shifting and shaking around him. What trust Job must have had, and that that should be an indication for every Holy Ghost-filled believer that if a man without God's Spirit living inside of him had a confidence that no matter what I'm going through, he knows my path, how much more you children of God who've been baptized with the Holy Ghost, been born again in water and spirit, how much more you then should say, though God before me, who could be against me, no matter what comes my way, I choose I choose to trust no matter what we're facing I choose to trust the problem is is at times to us it appears like God is silent now I've mentioned this before and this is no surprise I'm a marriage and family therapist and we spend a lot of time dealing with conversation, how conversations are structured, and it's fascinating. One of the first things we're taught in clinical training is to be comfortable in silence. Because even in silence, there's communication. Yeah, I say, hold on, hold on, no, 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 no. Now, y'all are gonna alright me. I'm not gonna move on just yet. Here's the problem is we assume that God, just because we perceiving God is silent that we think God is not speaking and that's, that's the problem right there is that we fail to understand the different ways that God does speak in moments of silence therefore when God seems silent it's in those moments he's still speaking loudly from heaven when he seems absent his presence is very near and that's the paradox is when it appears that God is not working or speaking he is always working on my behalf for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose friends that's why in moments of trial and tribulation that's why in moments of distress that's why in moments of hurt and pain we should not discount that God is right there and not only is he right there but he's been there the entire time working everything out for the good They just sang about it, and it's a powerful idea that that Joseph told his brothers. He said, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. What does that mean? Hold on, hold on a second. What does that mean? That means at times we go through things in life, whether it's our own doing. And some of you, you've been through some stuff because it's your own fault. Okay, all right. Thank thank you, Elder. I appreciate that. Some of y'all been through things because it's your own fault. Some of y'all been through things because the devil's attacking you. Some of y'all been through things because it's just life. But it does let me know, though. That, whatever the intent was, that God can turn that intent and He can use it for His good and for His glory. So, in moments of silence, in seasons of silence, we say, Okay, God, no matter what I'm going through, you can take my moments and you can use them for your glory. You can take my seasons and you can use them for your honor. And that's why we don't look on things that are temporal. 2 Corinthians 4:18 While we look on things excuse me while we look not on the things which are seen but which on the th- which on but at the things which are not seen for the things that we do see are temporal temporary but a moment but the things we don't see are eternal what does that mean there are things we go through on earth and we're saying god i don't know how you're working in all of this but if we'll keep our eyes on the prize if we'll keep our eyes on that city somewhere on the other side of the blue if we keep our eyes on the eternal we know that god's plan ultimately will come to pass So in moments when God seems silent, it's in those moments we can rest assured that he is speaking as loud and clearly as when it's good times. As when we feel and we're hearing God speak. Times of silence, God is still ministering. I think at times we fail to hear. There's a similar account in the Bible. This is in the book of Esther. And you know the story fairly well, I'm sure. Esther was an orphan from the tribe of Benjamin. She lived with the Jewish exiles in Persia during uh, during the, uh, the, the, the 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 Persian reign, and and she was reared by her cousin Mordecai. It's interesting. This young girl obviously doesn't have a perfect past or a perfect family. It's a unique book of the Bible. You see, it's the book of Esther. It's in Esther that God's people are the focal point of the plot. But God is never mentioned, and I'm sure you know that. There's no reference to sacrifice. There's no reference to worship. There's no reference to God. His name isn't mentioned on a single page. It appears that there is nothing religious about Esther at all. I love the way Matthew Henry wrote, listen to this. He said, but though the name of God be not an Esther, the finger of God is directing every minute event to the bringing about of his people's deliverance. Though God doesn't sit for a portrait in the story, his mind, his will, his power, and his presence are at work on every single page and this remarkable account is proof that God did not forget about Israel and it is a strong indication to you that God has not forgotten where and who you are. Though you may at times not see him working and writing and though at times you may not see him or feel him, God has not stopped directing your life. Okay, all right, this, uh, you, you look skeptical. You look, scat- I have a good friend, and I think, is this being Facebooked? Okay, well, it doesn't matter. It's it's public anyways. Uh, I'm going I'm to walk, but I'm going to stay right here, okay? Uh, I have a good friend, and uh, he was my best friend growing up. We were the best men in each other's weddings. We were re- really, really tight, and uh, we were, this past December, uh, last month, we were on a ski trip, him. His wife, me and my wife, and we rode back from the mountain and I was sitting up front and so we started to chat and, and him and his wife are are now going to be missionaries to the country of Haiti. Yeah, you, you heard that right. Haiti, the third world country, that's in absolute shambles. They're going there with their two kids. And so we're sitting there, we're riding in the car and he looked at me and said, Jeremy, he said, I never would have gone to Haiti from Washington. And I said, I believe that. <laughs> He said, then we, me and my wife, we, we moved to TBC. I never would have gone to Haiti from TBC. I believe that too. <laughs> he said, then we went and worked for Brother Tuttle for two years. He said, I never would have gone to Haiti from Brother Tuttle's church. Okay. He said, then we went to Spain. We were in Spain for two years. He said, I would have gone, I am going from Spain to Haiti. And I said, imagine that. It sounds like somebody's ordering your steps. Friends, it's it's those moments I'm talking about that we don't always understand the end journey of where God is leading and taking us. But there is a purpose and there is a plan. But we do go through seasons where it appears that God is silent in our life. But he is always working on your behalf to lead you if you'll let him. If you'll follow your steps will be ordered by God. God and it's in those moments when you get to the other side like Joseph and you go I don't know how all this worked I know I went from daddy's house to the pit from the pit to Potiphar from Potiphar to prison and then from prison to the palace I didn't know how all that was going to work I felt the Holy Ghost I didn't know how all that was going to work out but I do know that God has orchestrated my steps so when I'm in the prison and it seemed that God is not answering when I'm being lied on by Potiphar's wife and it appears that he's silent. When I'm in the pit being sold into slavery, and it appears God is far from me, he is using those moments. He's using those moments. He's using those moments to the bringing about of his will for your life. Philippians says this, being confident of this very thing, he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, friends, Job, Esther, they are a strong indication that God is truly ordering our steps and so let me encourage the body here today and maybe that's you maybe you came to church I go I'm going to praise God anyway but maybe you're in a season of silence and you're saying God are you ever going to speak am I ever going to feel you am I ever going to see you working do I really know are you even for me and God sent this crazy preacher to tell you yes God is for you God sent me here to tell you yes God is with you God sent me here to tell you yes God has not stopped working in your life and on your behalf though at times it seems he is far he is just as close as the mention of his name and friends that's why that's why this is a walk by faith because at times it appears God's far he's invisible And it appears he's distant. But Esther shows unequivocally in the face of all uncertainty. I can maintain my trust in the God I'm serving because I know he's going to work all this for the good. So at times, let me encourage the body here today. At times when you don't understand parts of your journey, keep walking. Second Corinthians says, for we walk by... Faith. And not by sight. Why is that so important? Because if we walk by what we see, we end up walking by our feelings, and our feelings are fickle and get us in trouble. If you walk by what you feel, then you're going to be twisted all up, and you're going to be like a pretzel. Going, okay, I guess God doesn't care because I can't see what He's doing. That's why we walk by faith, and faith is settled in what we know. And what do we know? We know the God of glory is fighting for us. We know that God of glory has not stopped and like the psalmist said yea though I walk through I may be in the shadow of the valley of death but I'm not staying here I am walking through this area is not my home this situation is not where I'm camping yea though I walk through I will walk through see it It's radical faith. Watch, watch, watch this, watch. It's radical faith. Radical faith is not formed through a life. Listen, listen. Radical faith is not formed through a life of ease and pleasure. You ever wonder? You ever wonder? For some of us, it's really hard to think about. And I apologize, it might get a little heavy. You ever wonder how the persecuted church keeps the faith? They go in the houses and they take kids and they... I'll be very careful because there's a lot of children in here. And you ever wonder how is it the persecuted church, how is it they keep the faith in the middle of death and suffering? You see, trial and tribulation... Those are the crucibles that radical faith is born in. Radical faith is not born through ease and pleasure, but radical trust, unwavering trust in God is born through trial. It's born in persecution. It's born in seasons of silence where you determine no matter what happens, I refuse to quit. I would wager to say there is nobody in here that has a Ph.D. in theology. You've lived but but you've lived through seasons and time long enough that you have determined that you know that God you're serving so no matter what comes your way you are determined to keep walking friends that's how unshakable faith is born when moments where you're being buffeted on every side and the wind is blowing you determine you are not going to quit. Friends, that's why we are walking step by step, day by day, moment by moment. I'm putting my foot down to trust in God. So let me encourage the body here today, at times you don't understand, keep walking. When you're sick, keep walking. When you don't understand, keep walking. When you get fired, keep walking. When you go bankrupt, keep walking. When you get divorced, keep walking. When you're suffering, when you're in pain, Keep walking because the God of glory, He's not left you, but He is literally holding you together. He is literally, He is literally holding your world together. He's holding you, He's holding you together. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! First Colossians, Colossians chapter one, verse seventeen says, "He is before all things, and by Him, by Him, all things consist." What does that mean for the church? Watch. That literally means by Him, your world is being held together by Him. All things consist. He is literally holding you together. So, whatever you're going through here on this earth, He is literally holding your world together. He's the principal, He's the prince of all principalities. He's the power of all powers. He's the head of everything, and He is literally holding us together. He's holding you together. That's hard to say, times on, uh, during our sojourn aren't difficult. It's not saying that, but it's saying that no matter what I'm facing, I have refused to quit. I've refused to give up. Now listen, y'all don't know this, so maybe you do. I was raised I was raised in the ghetto. I was raised in the hood. I mean, literally. Every every store had bars on their windows. Gunshots at night. I'm not exaggerating. This is no joke. And in the, in the ghetto, when you're raised in that kind of atmosphere and lifestyle, if you don't fight, you get taken advantage of. That's just it is what it is. And so there was something that probably from my upbringing, brother talked about being red, a lot of that. That when the going gets tough, I just bowl up and start fighting. I was raised not to quit. Because if you quit, you get taken advantage of. Friends, some of y'all need to get a spiritual spine and say, no matter what happens, I refuse to quit. No matter what happens, I am not giving up. Whether God is silent or not, I'm going to be here next Sunday. Whether he answers my prayer or not, I'm going to be here on Wednesday. God, I'm coming knocking next week. I'll be here next month. I'll be here next year. Though you slay me. And will I trust you I am giving you my everything I give you everything that I am though you slay me I'm still going to be here it's like the three Hebrew boys you know the story they're going to the fiery furnace listen huh. Some people are so funny. They're like, when I get to heaven, I can't wait to see grandma and grandpa. And I want to meet all the disciples. And I want to go meet David. And and I'm like, "Hook all them dudes. When I get to heaven, the first dudes I want to talk to is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because them dudes had some guts. Here's what they said. Watch, 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 watch. They said, King, I don't know. I'm not going to answer you on all this. But I do know that... God can deliver us and He will deliver us out of your hand. But if not, even if he chooses not to, I still ain't going to bow. Friends, and it's that kind of guts that says no matter what happens, whether or not God delivers me, is his business. I am still choosing not to quit. What does that mean for the church of God? That means you're going to be around no matter how hard the wind is blowing. You're not giving up. You're not calling it quit. But there's a double portion just like Job. On the other side, what did God say? He said, I will give you. You double for your trouble. What does that mean? On the other side of this moment, there is a blessing from God for those who don't quit. There's something on the other side of this, yes. There's something on the other side. God's not done yet. There's a blessing hidden on the other side for those. Thank you, brother. For those who are willing to persevere, even if it that, even if it means that blessing is heaven, it's worth it. There's a blessing on the other side. Job was given double everything he had because he didn't curse God and die. Rather, he chose to bless God and live. He chose to say, God, so you take everything. I'm not quitting. And I, yeah, I feel that i think that's the church in Weeches right now though god may take everything you're going to be here next week though uh, though good times come or bad times you're still going to be here uh, though you're sick you're still coming uh, though you face hardship you're not giving up that's why i feel like where you are though at times it seems silent god is right here church he's not left you he's not forsaken lift your voices with me right now lift your voices with me jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus hallelujah hallelujah in the name of Jesus hallelujah The name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> In the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lift your voices with me one more time. Father, I love you. Thank you, God, for sweeping into this building. In the name of Jesus hallelujah hallelujah in the name of Jesus in Jesus name I'm coming to a close if the musicians can come sis if you just want to see a victory again that'd be great there's a, an Austrian psychiatrist, I know you've heard of him, his name is Viktor Frankl. Anybody heard the name? So Viktor Frankl was, he was in concentration camps in Auschwitz and others during the Second World War from 42 to 45. And now, I want, I want you to understand, I know y'all, y'all have been through world history, and especially World War II, so you know exactly how degraded and debased the concentration camps were. And I want you to listen to what this man had to say, because it's unbelievable. Here's what he said. Now again, this man lived through concentration camps when everyone else around him was dying. This is what he said. He said, A weak faith is weakened by predicaments and catastrophes, whereas a strong faith is strengthened by them. What does that mean? That means if my faith in Jesus is strong, those trials I'm facing. They, ca- they caused me to get even more grit saying because I've seen God do it so many times. Friends, that's why here today we can do like Hebrew says, and come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So what do we do when God seems silent? We keep going and we let our faith be strengthened by what we're experiencing. And it's in those moments, sis, that we approach God's throne boldly. We're like Peter knocking on the door because the church kept praying. Friends, that's us. We're going to keep praying. Though the circumstances seem dire, we're going to keep knocking. We're going to keep seeking. We're going to keep praying. We're not giving up. Though moments seem difficult, it's here today that I hope God strengthens you faith to endure any trial you face on the outside of these four walls. Friends, because God is taking your life. He is orchestrating your steps for his good. And I know you guys are practicing distancing so why don't we turn this whole sanctuary into an altar right now. If you're going through it, maybe you're in that season of silence. You're saying, God, how could I possibly go on? It's in these moments that we approach God's throne boldly to say, God, I'm still going to be standing when everything else is shaking. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. In the name of Jesus, let's worship together. I worship. Jesus. When the darkness falls, it won't breathe. Come on, church, let's pray right now. Wherever you are, he only knows how to win. He has you in his hands. He's holding you together, sis. That's right, go ahead, let those tears flow. Let those flow. He's holding you together. He hasn't stopped. Oh, my God, will
2: never fail. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. It's power in the mighty name of Jesus. In every war he wages, he will win. In the name of Jesus. In the name of
1: Jesus. He's for you. He's for you. He's not against you.
2: He's for you. I know how this story. Say, I'm going to see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. Hallelujah! For the battle belongs belongs to you, Lord. Lord. Say I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. It's okay. Let those tears flow. It's all right. Hallelujah! I'm gonna see a victory in the name of Jesus.
1: Come on, he's turning it right now. He's turning it right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. From the pit to the... From the pit to Potiphar, to the prison, to the palace, he's turning it for your good.
2: You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. Come on, that shit. Come on, that shit right good. there. He's turning you it around. Turn it for good. Come on, say, he... You take what the enemy meant
1: for evil, and you turn it for, good. Turn it for good.
2: Yes, you, you do. Turn it for good. We can approach him boldly. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn and you it for good. Yes, you turn it for, good. Good. Yeah. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good, you turn it for good. I'm going to see a victory, I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory, I'm going to see a victory. that
1: belongs to you, Lord. Come on, somebody, he's not done yet. Approach him boldly, approach him boldly. You turned, you turned it around.
2: And you turn it for good, you turn it for good. I'm going to see a victory, I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory, I'm going to see a victory.
0: Jesus. Hmm. Jesus' name and Jesus' name. prolific songwriter Fanny Crosby, she authored hundreds of songs, some under a pseudonym. Was at a convention the Holy Ghost was moving but yet she